collapse of the silicon valley bank has grabbed international headlines by itself the bank is quite small it is a regional bank based out of california in the us and it was the 16th largest bank in the us before the crash it funds startups and venture capitalists the segment forms a big part of its loan portfolio in december 2022 56% of its loans were to vcs and pes secured by their limited partners this is pretty unique for a bank isn't it the news of a bank collapsing is never good news and it always generates interest but svb's collapse is not about this alone what's going on here hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the business line podcast news explained I am Nivedita Varadarajan. In this podcast, I talk to Hamsani Karthik, Business Line Senior Assistant Editor, to understand what were the events that led to the fall of this bank and to also understand how a collapse of a bank which is in California is affecting us here in India. Listen in. Uh hello Hamsani, why did the bank fail? So Silicon Valley Bank is one of the largest banks in uh, the Bay Area. The bank was primarily looking at focusing on venture capitalists, startups and so on. Um in its prime, you know, everybody wanted to be like an SVB because uh the bank was able to take on risks which are very non-traditional, which are very uh, unique and it had a certain place for itself um in the system. and um, in, in some somewhere it started the trend you know for other banks to think of catering to such niche demands of their uh, customers uh, so in that sense of the word it is a significant bank uh, but then what also happened is that um we'll have to rewind back in time by many years um us traditionally is a zero interest rate economy we've, we've seen zero interest rates for a very prolonged period of time in the us and suddenly when interest rates started increasing uh, banks like regional banks like uh, svb uh, today you have a host of others which are down pre trade as well uh, which are not able to quite manage their asset liability what we mean by asset liability is that uh, what is it that i have as deposits where is the source of funding coming for the bank and how is the um, uh, funding deployed by the bank so that constitutes the deployment is assets source of funding is the liabilities right now um, what has happened with svb in particular is that uh, during the covid period svb was able to garner a lot of deposits its deposits actually sort of uh, uh, trebled compared to what the normal deposit base of the us market was in at that point in time because it trebled obviously it had to have had some uh, uh, avenue to park the funds to deploy the funds that was not really happening because there was a certain amount of lull in the economy the um, one had to also be very careful while investing money during covid because you had to be sure about the returns etc therefore deployment during covid and even indian banks took a step back if uh, we go back and recall in time uh the period between 2020 to 21 people were a little um cautious as far as deployment was concerned and what svb did was also similar to that therefore uh, some part of 
the the money the funds that it had it deployed into investments um it by investments we have two types of investments um investments held till maturity and uh, those available for sale uh technical parlance it's abbreviated as htm and afs afs by definition is a short term instrument you sell it make money and you pocket it as a uh, income or a uh, uh, loss right HTM is a tool which we hold for a certain period of time. It is a long-term uh, investment tool available with the bank. I mean, these investments can usually have a tenure of five years, seven years, and so on. In India, a large part of our HTM movement is only towards G6, and that's how the law in India is. We are very, very clear on. how banks and where banks can deploy their excess liquidity whereas in the us you have you know very colorful instruments like mortgage backed securities and go back in time again uh, cut to 2007 2008 these mbs was what that really cost or that really uh, you know gave way to uh, the subprime crisis and subsequently the lehman crisis as well so by definition these are very high return generating but equally high risk carrying coupons now uh, because the bank had a lot of investments in its book it moved a reasonable part of what was immediately available for investments into long term investments or those which we categorize as htm and even even within the htm a bulk of it went towards um, mortgage backed securities because these interest rates were on a rise and the bank needed to uh pay its depositors at a much higher rate than it was immediately earning it started facing asset liability management mismanagement we call it alm and alm is the fundamental of running any bank across the world thankfully in india our laws are very stringent our laws are very protective that banks so far have failed not because of alm mismatch but because of bad loan issues but SVB is the first instance, or maybe one of the few instances globally, where you would see a ALM mismatch giving rise to solvency issue and subsequently a bank going bankrupt. Right. So what happened? These guys were scrounging for funds. So quickly they decided to sell some amount of um, assets that that were held in the short term, and also raise capital. Now they were able to do something with. the securities that that they had afs on their afs book uh, they raised about 21 billion but by that time customers also saw, sort of started sensing by that time customers were also sort of sensing that there is some problem and interest rates were rising so they didn't take a little bit of money outside the bank to park it elsewhere and all that so i wouldn't use the word run but it people were beginning to feel that things weren't so fine so there were a little bit of withdrawals happening in the system and even the 21 billion that the bank raised by way of selling afs that wasn't enough for it to meet the liquidity requirements it wanted to do a fundraise but unfortunately it couldn't go ahead with it and that's why we are where we are today so why couldn't they do a fundraise so what was the issue with that because there was already other banks which were declaring insolvency voluntary insolvency and things like that these are the immediate peer sets of svb and therefore there was a little bit of in- investor apprehension whether you know uh, svb is also faced with similar problems and so on which is a very fair apprehension anybody would want to think on those lines right so because of that they could never launch their uh, fundraise program and just the 21 billion dollar wasn't enough because 
what they had as liabilities is at least 10 times larger than that so i mean the the, the uh, in fact numbers state that possibly uh, even by september last year they were on a technical insolvency kind of a position because what they had as assets uh, was uh, not sufficient enough to cover up the equity base um, and also the investment losses that they had from the uh, htm book was far higher than the equity base. So in a way, um, equity was technically wiped out right from September. But I think they were just about managing to kick the can till March. And uh, they couldn't do the management for too long and the collapse happened. So it is not like anyone was blindsided. If it was in public knowledge in September, what did the regulators do? What should they have done? So in India, um, especially now, you know, with the way uh, the banking laws for even cooperative banks are structured. Mm-hmm. In India, almost all the banks come under the RBI purview. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in 2018, there was an amendment done uh, which sort of ring fence. You know, how many banks could be or what are the banks that could come under the Fed supervision that could come under, you know, very close scrutiny by the Fed and so on. And the bar was raised to 700 million banks with 700 million of net worth and above. When that happened, a lot of these regional banks sort of went on to the sidelines. And that is why you're having the problem that you're having today. Uh, The reason why US went ahead and did something like that was, remember in 2008, there were a lot of banks which the US had to uh, sort of uh, recover, help stand on their feet through the TARP program, which is a government-aided rehab uh, mission for banks. Even Citibank went through TARP, right? So, wait one second. uh, So, that is just after the... um, uh, Lehman crisis. Lehman crisis. That's a 2008 financial crisis. That is right. The GFC of 2008. Uh, The TARP costed taxpayers a lot of money. It sucked up taxpayers' money. And therefore... 10 years later, perhaps the country thought, okay, how do we, you know, sort of judiciously use taxpayers' capital? And uh, they decided to see banks by the size, by the network. At that point in time, it seemed logical. I mean, what is the smaller bank going to sort of cause as a uh, systemic risk? But only when, uh, you know, uh, defaults like this happen, only when uh, one domino sort of falls onto another and it starts stumbling like a, a pack of cards that's when possibly the entire system wakes up to say that you know maybe uh, uh this wasn't the right approach in hindsight but uh if you look at what the fed did the fed fed has also clearly said that you know i'm not going to do anything maybe at this juncture we'll do something to handhold the depositors and that also some of the large banks uh were reached out to to uh pitch in and pool in money and help the depositors out very similar to a yes bank kind of a solution that we had in india back in 2020 we called it capital those guys are calling it uh, deposits that's the primary difference between the two but uh, the fed has uh, pretty much left uh, spb to to solve itself um, which is why you had somebody like a hsdc uh, come pick it up at a, a pound and walk away with it the reason possibly why SPB could sail through still some kind of a handholding was, like I said, it's not a bad bank per se. You know, it's not a, it's not a bank that doesn't have legacy, that uh, didn't attract uh, the who's who of the industry. It was a very, very respected, very well-noted bank at its prime. 
and if it was something that inspired a huge uh, uh, ecosystem to spring up you know mm-hmm. banks to fund startups and stuff like that after that like the greater bank and all that then there were there would have been something good about it right um, so which is why hsbc did what it did so why are we talking about this now so this is a bank in california so why are we talking about it here in the indian context is there an indian context what is it there is a very indirect indian context to it mm-hmm. the reason being uh, i mean uh, today uh, world is spherical so all ends meet each other mm-hmm. uh, and we're not a uh, uh, completely disconnected uh, economy or we're not a completely disconnected uh, uh, country any longer all of us have a lot of capital dependencies on that point that's where india has something to sort of i wouldn't want to use the word worry because it's not that alarming something to be sort of a little careful about because a lot of startups have received at some point in time or the other money from svb we they have transacted with SB, svb their venture capitals uh, like i combinator for instance uh, does have exposure to about 1920 startups in india and these are companies which constantly require monitoring which constantly require capital support at least the comfort you know that capital is going to come through but and when something like this cracks open in the us when a bank which has been one of the backbones in the whole startup ecosystem uh, sort of goes bust that will have a ripple effect across the pvc circles and the startup and uh, the new economy companies across the globe india being a very very critical component of that we we rank in the first, among the first 10 in the league tables of startups so obviously the second order hit on startups cannot be um, brushed aside we will face a little bit of it so we are already startups in india and around the world are already facing a funding winter Could this right. be a triggering point? Uh, could this intensify the winter? Maybe, but I think any which ways a lot of the startups were sort of uh, bracing for something like this. And anecdotally, if I can just share something with you, mm-hmm. um, if you've uh, observed Shark Tank season one and Shark Tank season two, let's not get into the debate of the programming and all that. But Shark Tank season one was talking. I mean, people were willing to cut uh, straight away equity checks. for whoever was in the show whereas mm-hmm. in a season 2 you would notice that it's a combination of debt and equity it's nobody gets a straightforward equity check any longer at, at shark tank and that should in some way give you a mood check you know already the funding space especially in the startup ecosystem they're beginning to understand what is debt a lot of money is transpiring into their books in the form of debt not equity is not so easy to it's not a low hanging fruit anymore if i can put it that way so there is already a funding winter if is it going to intensify because of this that was any which way factored for because a lot of the free flow of funding happened largely also because zero interest rates across the globe with us being a very important country which offered zero interest rates until 2020 even uh, early 2021 that is now gradually getting withdrawn us is at around 5 india is at around 6 6.75 so the gap between india and the us in terms of interest rate differential which used to be around you know 6% at the peak which came down to 4% during the pandemic has now just reduced to about 1.5% so you can mm-hmm. obviously imagine the kind of uh, pressure that 
foreign funds are going to have you know country deployment without taking any country risk is going to yield a person 5% why would someone put it in india and there is also another layer of forex uh, uh, rates here to play you've got to hedge your forex transactions so all of that is only going to be an added layer of cost when somebody is going to invest outside the home nation and these are things which will start weighing in on the um, uh, capital ecosystem uh, chasing the startups we are still in the early days of what can happen to svb mm-hmm. and i know that the regulations in india for banking and in the us are really really different is there yes. anything we can take away any lessons that we can take away sitting here in india from what's happening at svb today in our story we highlighted about how banks are sort of uh, you know just reviewing where some of their investments into uh, the startups are sort of looking like today it's more like you know a status check or dip check kind of a thing rather than anything alarming as such mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned rightly the regulator the banking regulator in india while gets criticized for being very boring uh, vis-a-vis rest of the world on times like these will also get so much appreciated for for constantly erring on the side of caution than throwing it to the wind i wouldn't say the fed has thrown it to the wind but the banking system if you look at just surely the number of people there in play is it so voluminous and mm. therefore the fed decided to you know sort of start really looking at who will really or who could really cause a systemic disturbance and who will cause a momentary disturbance what we are seeing with svb right now in the current form is only a momentary disturbance mm-hmm. i think we're very very far away from a layman kind of a crisis personally because layman was really 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 too big to fail which failed and that had an implication on city that had an implication on merlinch uh, a lot of other things some of the very uh, you know um uh, beautifully structured products back then uh, aren't touched by a lot of banks even with a 10 feet pole today so mm-hmm. clearly bankers across the world have learned something from the layman crisis uh the fact that bo- boring banking is better banking is something that a lot of people are acknowledging you know globally especially now with uh, credit suisse also going through its fair share of problems at least for the last 2 2 and a half years people are beginning to realize that you know you, you won't play in vanilla products here come lend at a certain rate borrow at that rate plus something make your money pretty much if you can cross sell a couple of products and get out of the system don't try to you know make a mess of something cover it up with another mess package it in a very interesting way and sell it out that banks are beginning to realize um more so in a country like india and are we at a juncture to uh, sort of even venture into uh, any sort of a experiment with respect to banking sector the answer is clearly no 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 we can't no and no way near it if we really do want to be a five trillion economy we rather have a very very robust banking system than uh, encounter another failure you know let's set our eyes on five trillion now another thing that the indian government will never let a bank fail i don't think yeah. that level happen right because we've never had bank failures we've never had bank failures yeah, since nationalization oh. there has not been a bank failure right then it's going yes. to be that way unlike in fed where there will be like maybe there'll be like it's okay if one bank fails because that's the capitalistic structure that they are in and we clearly can't go to that structure not anytime soon at least in banking 
I completely agree with you. We've had bank collapses, yeah. but we've never let depositors, you know, just go bust. Go back to even Lehman. Let's go back to even the Lehman days, okay? Uh, Lehman also, what the Fed really attempted at doing was how much ever they can uh, slice and dice the whole uh, uh, balance sheet into smaller parts, sell it down, make money. They did every part of it. So mm-hmm. no government in its sane mind will say that, okay, I'm willing to take a $2 billion or a $20 billion hit to my P&L. People will definitely, there are assets. Maybe you can discount some part of the assets as questionable. But whatever that's not, it's just in the interest of the nation. It's just in the interest of the economy that, you know, whatever is there, let's just break it down into smaller pieces. Realize whatever we can realize. And mm-hmm. that's what India has also done. You know, take the case of from GTB to LBB to Yes Bank. Today, we are, as we're talking, it's uh, Yes Bank crosses the third year of uh, coming out of all the restrictive uh, clauses. And um, it's everything is a case of fabulous, uh, you know, turnaround. And some of the acquisitions that we've had in India because of trouble, take the case of even um, uh, CBOP and HDFC or Bank of Madura and ICICI. Each of these distressed acquisitions has only helped the respective banks grow bigger and bigger. That's mm-hmm. what is playing out with DBS and LBD as well. So um, uh, these sort of things are also sometimes, you know, blessing in disguise because <laughs> if somebody has to go shopping for these things, you'll never get them in the market for mm-hmm. that reason, right? So, so you so take every as an opportunity. So in, there we have it. Our two takeaways from this is boring banking is good business for the country. And also maybe there's a great opportunity for SVB and its uh, investors soon. Maybe somebody big will buy them. Like what like HBS? He has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but only for I their think... UK subsidiary. Maybe maybe some cool new thing is going to happen to SVB and this is an opportunity for them too. So we'll wait and watch and get all the latest news as they happen. Thank you, Hamsini, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.